This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Welcome, friends and warriors, to podcast number two. As we talked about in our last podcast, the idea for Bellator Colloquium came as, as a result of requests for a podcast from several of our society readers from our blog. We are excited to be creating more content for you to enjoy and share. We actually have a few fun things in store for the podcast coming soon, so definitely stick around. This week, we'll be digging back into our archives. We have a few more blogs that are just too good not to share, so we wanted to start there before we start talking about our new content. Also, did you know that we have new content up at bellatorsociety.com daily? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of amazing. Like, that's a little miracle in all this process. Um, I feel like both of us get comments on the regular that uh, people are amazed that we actually do have a new blog up every single day from another person in this big, beautiful world. You know, it's not just us. Right now, you're just hearing our voices. I'm Fran. That's Tracy. (laughs) I'm Tracy. (laughs) And uh, we are the presenters. I think that's kind of how we see ourselves in terms of bellatorsociety.com and this Bellator Colloquium um, uh, podcast that we are the presenters, right? This this is not our conversation content is not coming forth from us. We are not the fonts from which any of this wisdom necessarily flows. Although we we are contributing, we are contributing as well. We do, Um, right. Exactly. But um, we have so many people who are just prolific in their writing and in the the beautiful ideas and thoughts and reflections that they share with us. And so we're very thankful to have a treasure trove of content that we can kind of get our feet wet in terms of this podcast and remember them and really celebrate them because they were some beautiful pieces um, that we really are excited to share. And um We decided, as we discussed kind of at our last podcast, uh, that we would um, highlight a couple of the um, blogs that were really loved early on for for various reasons. They might have been loved because they were very poignant and beautiful or just fun or reflective. But and, And as Tracy said last time, like sometimes it's a bit of a surprise to us that these were the ones that got all the laud, you know. So um, we do have a couple. Go ahead. Can I interrupt and just say how fun it was to go back and pull out some some oldies but goodies and yeah. kind of rehash them and retalk about them? Yes, you can say that. I mean, um, cuz <laughs> and I said I give it an amen because <laughs> me too. Um we kind of did this in a mathematical way in terms of like what got the 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 quantity of response because I will say there were plenty of blogs that got quality response. They may not have gotten the droves of people liking and sharing and commenting, but the 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 personal response that they received um from even just a handful of people uh, made them um notable as well. And we're not going to overlook them by any stretch of the means, but we thought it would be fun just kind of in the beginning stages here as we're, as we're getting our bearings and awaiting our fancy new equipment, which (laughs) should have been here by today. At least mine should have. When does yours arrive? 
I think mine's today too. So our fancy new equipment is going to be a microphone. So we don't sound like we're in tunnels. So the sound quality is going to just vastly improve, or at least that is our hope. Yeah. And I have become like a connoisseur of tunnel voice when I listen to the podcast that I enjoy. And I didn't even really take note of it until we started recording ourselves because, you know, whatever you do, you are most critical about. And so, you know, when I listened to some of our our test recordings early on, I was like, oh, I don't love it. And then I would listen to another podcast and the the audio quality was quite on par with what we were doing, but it wasn't me. So I didn't mind. (laughs) But anyway, we're, we're, we're trying to set, set, set up some stuff so that we sound better. Hope we're raising the bar. We are raising our own bar. Yes, indeed. Um, but while we're kind of getting our feet wet and setting up our um, equipment and making those adjustments, we did want to do this in a very orderly way. And so we're just kind of, we picked out the ones that like got the, the quantitatively more amount of most amount of response. Right. Like whether that be comments, likes, shares, all of those things. And so we picked out two more today. Yeah. So our first one that we're going to jump into is called Loving Laundry. And this was written by this just precious, precious woman in Arkansas. Um, And Fran, Fran, you are very good friends with our author, right? Yes, I have the pleasure of calling Angie Elser a dear personal friend. We were in the same Bible study for 15 years, I think. I mean, that kind of blows my mind. But, um, you know, basically sat across from each other or next to each other, depending on how the Bible study musical chairs worked that particular week. But um, she is a dear heart. Um, she's kind of one of those people who is just a, a saint in the making in terms of like you watch the way she lives her life, um, the, the, the things that she deals with, um, the, the words that she speaks, you know, how she, you know, interacts with other human beings on this planet. And you, you don't see anybody else but the face of Jesus. She's just such a, a sweet, sweet woman. She's got six children, her eldest of which was recently, um, I believe it was a year ago, maybe was it two years ago? I can't remember, was um, ordained to the priesthood. So she's doing something right. Raising That's a right. priest. I mean, goodness gracious. Set it, talk about setting the bar high. Um, <laughs> well, and, and we've talked about, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Well, we've talked about her in the past and I um, kind of referenced her as a little, as a, as a modern day Mother Teresa, because she's a small lady. She's, she's petite. She's, uh, but she, her faith is just, major. (laughs) So she's a a little lady with a major, huge faith. Absolutely. And such a big impact. I like to call Angie Elser highly concentrated. (laughs) (laughs) She's just so, she's so wonderful. So we are so happy to share this blog that she wrote again, very early on. This was um, in December that she shared it with us like right before Christmas. And I think it came at, um, at a beautiful time during Advent um, to remind us about um, something that is actually going to be the theme of this podcast in a, in a, in a weird twisted twist, twist, twist um, <laughs> at the end. Um, Cause it may not seem on the surface that these two um, blogs that we chose go together in any real way, but they do because her whole message here is Thanksgiving. And um, Tracy, you want to give it a little, sure. little background? 
So the title's Loving Laundry. And um, again, she wrote this during the holidays. And so she said she starts off with the holidays in full gear. My college children will be coming home for Christmas break. In just a few days, I'll have half a dozen children under my roof again. Praise God. I also have mounds and mounds of never-ending laundry. Praise God. Which, of course, <laughs> us, us normal mortals are like, oh, huh? oh my goodness. Um, but that's not her perspective. And because her experience is that she's a an RN in a children's cardiovascular unit, and she said one at you know one point in her life she was assigned to care for a patient who was airlifted from a neighboring state to be placed on heart-lung bypass. She was a 10-year-old little girl who was healthy the week prior before her admission, and she got an aggressive strain of influenza that just relentlessly weakened her respiratory system. And she said while she was caring for, you know, her patient, um, she'd have conversations with her parents, particularly her mother. She said at first they revolved around the numbers, machines, fluids, ventilator readings, et cetera. But as the days passed, um, their conversations became a little bit more personal and about other things, you know, going on in their life. And she said, one evening, I remember telling her that when I got off work and returned home, I'd have a tremendous amount of laundry to do. She said at the time, my children wore uniforms to school and were involved in various activities. And then she lists some of those activities, which included... Soccer, gymnastics, basketball, track, cross country, Boy Scout, Girl Scout, football, you know, all the dirty sports. Everything all the same. Sweaty, dirty, you know. <laughs> all and the costume said, changes. All the costume changes. And she said, um, I just dreaded opening the laundry room to see my hampers greeting me with overflowing dirty clothes. And she said at that moment, uh, the little girl's mom paused and just kind of looked slowly at the flashy numbers and, you know, listening to the monitors and the sounds of the machines. And she said, I would love to do Sophie's laundry again. And she said, in that brief moment, I realized how mundane yet precious laundry is. And, um, and she goes on to say that she, you know, that totally turned her perspective of of doing her laundry and then, and how those normal tasks and chores of being a mom, um, how precious they are because it means we have healthy children. Yeah. And she said she got home that week and she, she did, she, she was happy to see all the laundry. She did the laundry with joy. And she said the next day she walked back into the cardiovascular unit and there was increased activity and commotion with unusually large number of people around Sophie's bedside. She says, I quickly made my way to the group of medical personnel and immediately noticed the display of the numbers on the machines and monitors that were blank. I turned to the charge nurse and with tears filling her eyes, she whispered to me that Sophie had just died. Um, she said the scene is forever imp- imprinted on my brain. And now she says, you know, although this happened years ago, I continue to think about and pray for Sophie and her mom. It was a tragic illness and I feel deep sadness each time I remember her mom will never have the chance to do Sophie's laundry again. <sighs> and people rightly so obviously just yeah. related to it and on yeah. so many levels. Yeah. I mean, I, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No. Well, I was just going to say, I, I remember hearing this story many years ago, just kind of in person during the course of one of our Bible studies, and there was not a dry eye in the room because I think we all know, you know, how how precious life is. I mean, obviously we know that, but the, these little reminders um, of, of circumstances like this and stories like this just really do drive it home and, um, and, and that, you know, again, our, our through line today is Thanksgiving and... Um, man, it's hard to be thankful when the hard stuff hits. Yeah. Yeah. There's mountains 
and there's valleys and, and that's just, that's life. And to kind of keep that perspective, I think of if, if you're, if you're on a plateau, praise God, <laughs> because, because you're going to have those high points, which praise God too, but you're going to have those low points and it's, and it's, it's, it's tough and it's, yeah, it's, it's hard it's, to remember God in those, in those yeah. low points. It's just something that we wrestle with. I think it's something so, um, so essential to the spiritual life, um, that, that we do have to exp- you know, have that experience of Thanksgiving, you know, of, of living, of being a Eucharistic people. I mean, Eucharist meaning Thanksgiving, like actually seeing God and, and being thankful for his omnipotence, his providence, even when, when we see things going so badly around us and wondering, you know, where is God in all of this? I mean, that's kind of the, the, the perennial Christian question, or even just, you know, question in general, uh, of anyone who is theistic, you know, where, where is God in suffering and how can we live thankfully and, and joyfully even in the midst of that? You know, um, is it, I think it's maybe in Ephesians where St. Paul says, you know, very, very um, concisely, you know, uh, always give thanks for everything. Well, I mean, <laughs> okie dokie. <laughs> how? How? But I think that it's perspectives like this that um, help us at least to be able to give thanks in the mundane. And I think that's where she's, you know, it, it doesn't answer how Sophie's mom could be thankful at that moment. That that doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't delve into the depths of that sort of <laughs> metaphysical struggle. Um, but it does give us perspective when we are picking up Cheerios off the ground or even stepping on a Lego or, you know, or doing laundry. Um, it gives us a perspective that there, there is some measure of human suffering in, in all of those, you know, everyday, um, the, the everyday toil, you know, it, it's toil because it actually requires something of us. It, it costs us something and we can, um, take for granted so easily, uh, what, what is indicated by that toil and, and it, what is indicated is life you know, and and we do take life for granted, um, so easily. Um, I love that you said that Angie one time told you to, that she turns her Cheerio picking up and her Lego picking up into a prayer. And so every Cheerio is maybe a, a, a Hail Mary or, or a prayer for that child or every shirt she folds is a prayer for the the person that's going to wear it. And I thought, wow, she's, She's got she, it. She, she's got it. <laughs> yeah, she she learned her folding going, Ugh. Yeah. But when can they learn to fold their own laundry? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, I, 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 I believe it was Angie. Again, I always kind of make the joke, like if I'm, t- and if I'm saying something smart, it's definitely not for me. It's probably for my mom or maybe Angie also like, those are my, those are my, my, my mentor moms, you know, the ones who have done all of the things before me. And, you know, when I hear them speak, I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm going to take that note real fast. Um, and I, and I do think it was Angie who said, you know, that she had gotten into the habit of when she would fold a shirt for one of her kids, she would just like say a prayer for that kid. And so it, it, it became kind of a refrain again in our Bible study where we realized, you know, we really don't need to carry rosaries all the time because you find them everywhere in the world. You know, you mm-hmm. find little articles to, to, to reflect on, to pray on, to orient yourself, um, to thoughts of God and Thanksgiving. And, you know, while obviously saying our rosary on rosary beads and having those reflections of the mysteries of the life of Christ are, you know, such a beautiful way in which we practice our Catholic faith. Um, we can actually use 
a shirt in the laundry as a moment of, of intentional prayer, or even picking up Cheerios off the ground and one by one, just saying, thank you for this baby. Thank you for this baby. You know, um, cause not everybody gets to do that. Well, and I think losing a child is, I've heard it's the heart, one of the hardest things you'll ever do in your life. And I cannot imagine the the heartache of, of moms who've had to bury their, their babies, um, small or large, um, you know, my mom died when she was 59 and I watched my grandmother bury her daughter. So even, even big babies are, are, you know, cherished by their mamas. Um, but having said that you are sending a baby off to college this year. And I just watched my eldest take her graduation photos a few days ago, which is just weird. weird. And so I'm even thinking in terms of that, like, we only have them under our roof for so long. And although I'm the type of mom that's like, I can't wait for your wings to spread and you'll fly. <laughs> I, I, I'm a little bit more reflective as we're getting closer to that point. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I am happy that this dirty cup, coffee cup is sitting here in the sink and not in the dishwasher. Or, you know, I, I do realize how precious the mess is right now yeah. and how even I think I might miss it one day. Yeah. You know, it reminded me of, um, you know, the, the book that we all read, like in middle school, um, the diary of Anne Frank. And, um, there's a part in it where she talks about, um, the difference in, in experiencing Thanksgiving or maintaining, I guess, maintaining some sense of optimism or positivity in the, in either, either in the course of suffering or, and I think it can translate very well into the mundane as well, but she, she was observing the difference between she and her mother and how they handled struggle. And for her mom, she said that her mom would take a situation and say, well, at least, at least this person has it worse than me, right? I can be mm -hmm. thankful because I can tell in this situation that there is a, it, it could be worse, right? right? Um, but Anne Frank then reflects in her, in her teenagery kind of way. I think that's why I really love her book because it is so genuine. It, it is the voice of a teenager, even the teenager that lives inside of me. <laughs> so she, the tween she, that you are. Or <laughs> she's comparing, you know, how her mom does it, which may not be the perfect way. And so this is the way she chooses to do it. And the way she chooses to do it is by just looking at all of the good, you know, like really practicing her her thanksgiving and her positivity just by just you know mining for the good mm -hmm. and and I do think that both of those are legitimate ways in which to maintain thankfulness especially in the midst of the mundane or even in suffering that we can legitimately say you know we we can look in a very reasoned way and say this is bad what I'm going through or what this person is going through, what I see this person suffering through is not good, but it could be worse. And so thank God that they are protected from even worse. In the same way, it is helpful some days to just say, I'm not going to look at the bad today. Right. Like, for, my, for sanity purposes, I'm going to thank God that the sky is blue, that I am sitting here with a cup of delicious echinacea tea. <laughs> and, and my internet connection is working and, you know, go through the list of, go through the list of the mundane, even, you know, those things that we overlook that, um, we can very easily take for granted, but that are working in our favor today. You know, yeah. there, there could be lots of things in, 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 you know, either of our lives or anyone's life that is just crushing or overwhelming, but 
we, we cannot go a moment without being even thankful for our breath. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I've started asking my kids in the car because, you know, they, they live in the land of good and plenty and we, we have our health and we have our home and we have our good schools. And so, you know, it's easy to be like, well, so-and-so was mean to me today or so and this teacher yelled at us or, you know, and so I started saying, okay, but before you complain, I want to hear like the three best parts of your day. Yeah. You know, who did you sit with at lunch and what did you play at the, you know, uh, what did you play at recess? And, uh, did you do, did you get a star on your spelling paper or whatever? (laughs) I mean, like, let's focus, let's, let's reorient ourselves to the good things that happen. And then it's not to, not to say that we can't discuss the bad, but goodness gracious, focusing on the bad, especially when you're a little kid, I was like, you're, yeah, this, perspective. Is not, this, is, this is not this perspective that I want you to have as an adult. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're really doing a lot of like, tell me the good first. Yeah. <laughs> and well, if you and can't find them, we're all white. <laughs> <laughs> we do that too. Like we used to, when the kids were little, we used to have, um, we, we, we called it our ash prayers where we had appreciation, sorrow and help. And in that order, like we would say, always start with your thank yous, then go yeah. to your sorries and then help me help others. Right. That, that was the order that we taught them. It's a very Ignatian. I did not come up with and again, nothing that is good that I say is ever coming directly from me. But this is how we taught the kids to, to do kind of reflective prayer when, when they were little. And um, it, sometimes we would just sit there and look at them until they had things to be thankful for. You know, it's just... <laughs> Did you like your muffin at breakfast? I mean, <laughs> are you thankful that you're sitting on the couch and not standing in the corner? That yes. might be <laughs> come up with something you're thankful for. You're going to get it. <laughs> then you're going to be sorry. And then you yeah. really will have something to be sorry for next. Yeah. Uh, we, I was raised in the, you know, seventies, eighties. And I heard that a lot. The, um, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. I'm like, mom. <laughs> That is such bad parenting. What do you mean? <laughs> What's this that mean? Somehow it worked. I was like, okay, never mind. No tears. <laughs> it just snapped you out of it pretty, pretty it quickly. Yeah. 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 Like that. <laughs> I'm going to get it. Um, now, so just real quick, I want to focus a little bit on, you know, our faith teaches us the redemptive nature of suffering, which I've always, I, you know, I think it, it is what separates Catholics from a lot of other faith traditions. And we look at suffering, um, not as a punishment, not as, not as a fluke, but as something that really can benefit our soul, even though it's hard to see that in the moment. Um, sometimes I know reflectively to go back and look at suffering that we've been through as a family or that I've watched, you know, my mom go through with her illness or, and, and really see how that suffering it was beautiful. I mean, it, it was, it, it purified our souls. It purified it really, man, talk about when you're, when you suffer, I mean, I'm clinging to the feet of Jesus. Nothing brings me closer. My, nothing does, nothing ignites my prayer life, like hardship. Um, you know, I'm ready to wake up early to get an extra chat time with Jesus. And, um, so although nobody wants suffering, it's definitely part of the Christian life. And and I think if we can look at it as something that can bring beauty out of, you know, ashes, I think that helps Catholics um, get through it, make a little sense of, of, of that hardship and of that, you know, unspeakable hardship that we, we will go through in our life. 
Absolutely. You know, I, I definitely think that this is just, again, that perennial struggle of what do we do with suffering? Like, how do you make sense of it? And I do think that just as you said, we have this, this notion, this understanding as far as we can understand it, um, of redemptive suffering. Um, but that doesn't mean that we idolize suffering. And I think no. that's something that, that, that we can very easily fall into that, that trap of all suffering is good. And I am yeah. just a martyr for suffering. Like there is unnecessary suffering in this world that we can do something about and that we should do something about. We have well, doctors. That we're called to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like we need to help the poor. Jesus even yes. said, you will always have the poor among you. And yet that does not excuse us from helping the poor out of some measure of their suffering. Right. right. In, in the same way, we're called to, you know, see a doctor when we're sick. Um, Saint, I think it's St. Francis de Sales who, you know, kind of gives that instruction, just that very practical instruction for the lay person. Like, you know, if you're sick, go see a doctor, yeah. <laughs> you know, like th- there are some suffering that may not be for your good. Right. Right. But there's other, there there are other crosses. There are other trials that we endure. And, um, as St. Paul, again, kind of, no, 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 this was St. James who, um, in his, um, in, in his letter, he, he said, you know, uh, consider it pure joy when you face trials. Well, again, thank, thank, thank you. But it is a challenge, you know, that, that we do have to look for, um, the joy. And I think his, um, his, point the direction in which he's pointing us is is consider it joy because it strengthens you yeah. you know and i think i think his his idea of strengthening is it strength strengthens you um in your faith and in perseverance um and that that's really where our suffering you know kind of kind of takes a lot of us because so much of it doesn't make sense no you know but and not but this side of eternity not you know not this side of heaven i think please make make it make sense lord when we're in heaven i want to know yeah, but it does make you wonder when you don't have that framework, when you don't live in that paradigm of redemptive suffering, um, what do you do with suffering? I mean, what a, you know, what a difficult existence. And so I do think that even if you don't have necessarily a Christian perspective, I think even because it's reasonable, because it um, it's kind of one of those natural law things that even even apart from a Christian framework, even an atheist can arrive at there is some beauty to suffering and that it strengthens us, yeah. you know, and, and we as Christians have the added benefit of it. It strengthens us, unites us with our Lord and Savior and is our sanctification mm-hmm. that we begin to look more like Jesus through that suffering. And um, again, I can't think of very many people that look more like Jesus to me in the world than Angie Elser. So I'm so thankful <laughs> that she wrote this. Um, and yeah. shared it with us. And again, just the fact that it got so much response, you know, yeah. pe- again, people were sharing it like crazy. I mean, five days before Christmas, people were on their Facebook sharing stuff like they should have <laughs> Christmas presents. <laughs> have you grocery shopped? <laughs> but, well, um, we relate. We all relate. I mean, it's a human existence. It's the human experience. We all relate to suffering, but we also all relate to just the mundane chores of life. And we all relate to, um, um, just, just the, the, the perspective that she put it in of kind of not necessarily, it could always be worse, but be be grateful, be grateful for what you have, be grateful for what you have. 
Well, I don't want to totally do a 180, but I'm gonna, because <laughs> I want to move on to our next blog, which I will say, I think I convinced you that this was the right one to use with this because <laughs> it is written by our very own Tracy Eddy. And it's one of my favorite memories of all times. Like it, it the, the fact that you wrote this, um, as a reflection, um, it, it makes so many of us smile because we're like, yes, we get to relive it in your, and by, from your perspective, because it's the question that everybody wondered, like, what will Tracy even think? And so <laughs> this blog that we're referencing is called Aging Gracefully. Um, it was written um, by Tracy in as a reflection of her 40th birthday party, which was quite a bash. It was. It was quite a bash. <laughs> It's kind of hard to talk about it, and, you know, it, because it was so over the top. Like again, it, it was one of those things that there that that just orients you towards Thanksgiving, and that's the through line, y'all. Like that's where we're connecting. <laughs> if you've not picked it up, <laughs> it is, you know, here obviously we thank God in the good, um, and and we are learning to be thankful um, and and reverential um, of our Thanksgiving in in the bad. But you know, we do have goodness in this world. We do have beauty, and we do have things that um, that still even draw our minds up to God. Um, and this, this experience, I mean, did for me. So I want you, I want you from your perspective to tell our listening audience, because they could totally read the, the blog and, and, you know, read your, your beautiful words about it. But what was it like to have a birthday party planned for you in London? Tell me about that. So, you know, what's happening? So my husband is, we're, we're, it's like, I don't want to say we're opposites, but we're kind of opposite. So I'm practical, pragmatic. He's, um, loves big. He loves lavishly. And so, um, he, for my 40th birthday knew that I, you know, I love Downton Abbey. I love fancy dresses. I love, I really should have been born in like the thirties, maybe twenties, thirties, forties, something like that. Um, hey, so hey, what's your favorite radio station on Sirius radio? I mean, forties on four. Is there another station worth listening to? I actually had a friend get in the car yesterday and she was like, I was wondering if this is on by accident. I'm like, no, that is programmed into my, into my car. Why so the kids have hits one and that's their station. And mom's station is forties on four. Yeah. I mean, I just love it. I love big band and swing and Oh, the idea of like getting dressed nicely every day as I sit here with my hair in a messy bun. It's like my, what I love, but you know, then reality hits and I'm like <laughs> the linen joggers and a t-shirt kind of, kind of outfit today. But so he said for your 40th birthday, we're going to go to London. We're going to take the girls up, you know, we're going to take them out of school for just a few days. And, um, we had tried to go to London the year before and it didn't work out because of just circumstances. And so he said, this is kind of a makeup trip and, um, I'd love to invite like your sister or maybe your dad, but your sister's got to work. So don't even ask her about it. Don't cause she's, she's a little upset. She can't come. Like he, he, he's such a liar. Really? I know he's so good at lying. It blows my mind. I know. I know. And I'm like, okay, I won't say anything. I don't want to hurt Carrie's feelings. Um, so we get to London and we stay at this really swanky hotel that I've always wanted to stay at. And we, and he said, pack a couple dresses because here's the deal. It's your birthday. You only live once. I found a couple fancier restaurants because I know that that's your jam. And he said, you'll need one long gown. There's a, there's a little place that I've heard from a couple people 
that, you know, he's got some friends that are kind of London connoisseurs. And so he said, they, they highly recommend this one restaurant. It's outside the city a little, so it's a little bit of a drive, but they still quote unquote dress for dinner. And I'm like, oh, okay. And he goes, why don't you go get a new dress? And I'm like, no, I mean, who am I missing in London? And he's like, ah, you real? I'm, are you sure? I'd be happy for you to have a new dress. And I'm like, no, like, again, practical. And yeah. I should have known something was up because he ordered a new tux for himself. <laughs> and who I'm, orders a tux for dinner? <laughs> I, know, I know. For my dinner, for my birthday. So he goes and get the girls, you know, make sure they have something cute, you know, nice to wear, whatever. So I order them a little dress and I, I just wear what I've got, something I've got in my closet. And it's a little ill-fitting, maybe a little short, but who cares? That was my theory. So we get to London and we do, we do all the sights. We have a nice, so on my birthday, we go out to dinner and we had this really nice dinner and it's just the five of us. And he gave me a, you know, really nice birthday gift. And I was like, this this is amazing. This is like the best birthday I've ever had. I can, I couldn't even, I stayed up, like didn't go to sleep until like two in the morning. Cause I was just laying in bed dreaming, like how thankful I was for the life that yeah. I, I'm, I get to live. I'm just like, thank you, Lord. So the next morning I kind of sleep in and we get up and we walk around a little bit, do, you know, the Piccadilly, whatever. And he said, okay, let's go back. We've got, you know, this is your last dinner where you're going to wear your nice dress. And I'm like, are you sure? Cause I'm kind of content, you know, just <laughs> first of all, the hotel's so nice. I want to just like hang out there. And, um, he said, no, come on, you know, but I was dragging. I'm not going to lie. And I, well, I had, you had stayed up till two o'clock in the morning doing yeah. your Thanksgivings. <laughs> and I had indulged. And so like, you know, the pantyhose are a little tight around the tummy and feeling I'm a little like, bloated. I get that. Not feeling my best, <laughs> but I, I pull it together and, um, we get, he had a limo and I'm like, okay, well, it is kind of far out. And that is my sweet husband. He would get a limo, you know, and the girls are excited. And so we get in the car and I fall asleep. And at one point there was so much traffic. I thought this better be good because this, I'm not feeling it. Let's just, you know, the Thanksgiving factor had waned. No, can you imagine like how spoiled that sounds? But I really was like, I'd be just happy sitting in the hotel, like drinking some tea and having a scone. Um, but we get there and, and we, we kind of pull up to a castle. And I, it, to be honest, I sort of didn't recognize it. I thought, is this Downton Abbey Castle? And the girls are just smiling. And I'm like, what? I went, what is going on? And he goes, I've arranged to have dinner here. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It was I, Downton Abbey's Castle. It was Highclere Castle. It was Downton Abbey's Castle. And so he says, no, you know, no, I'm not kidding. I'm like, is there going to be anybody else here? And he goes, no, it's just us. And I'm like, seriously, am I going to be embarrassed? And he's like, no, you're not going to be embarrassed. <laughs> and I'm like, are you sure? And so I see like a kind of a beat up car, blue car. And like, there's a car, somebody's here. And he goes, it is a working estate, Tracy. There, Yes, there is somebody here, but there are goats over here or sheep or whatever. And, you know, there's like a beehive and I mean, it's a working estate. And so we pull up and it's kind of a little bit drizzly, but I get out and, um, and I walk, we walk in and everybody's kind of like behind me a little bit. Yeah. And there's a string quartet and they start playing the theme song to Downton Abbey the second I walk in and I'm like, still not knowing what's going on. Like, uh, hi, you know? Um, and I'm thinking, where's, where's the dining room? I just want to go eat. Like just kind of hungry. Had a long trip here. Thanks. And there was, you know, there was a, like a butler with a platter of champagne and I'm like, I'll take a champagne. Thank you. You know, and I'm still kind of looking around and all of a sudden my dad comes from the opposite 
mm-hmm. um, kind of room from the entryway, you know, where the, the big grand fireplaces mm-hmm. and everything. And I was shocked. I could not believe like my dad is here to surprise me. And then my mother-in-law came out doubly shocked. Then my sister, then my brother-in-law, then like friend and friend and fr- 50 friends continue <laughs> to pile out of this room. I don't know. Were, were y'all like crammed in some little room? Okay. So we were in that room, you know, the room that has the red, was it the red couch room in Downton Abbey? It's the one where they, they, they move, they move through into the room. Yeah. Um, we were in that room kind of oh. at the end of the hall. We were jammed like cattle. It was amazing. We smelled so, better than cattle. So the, the rest of the night I was in shock. So long story short, John planned this surprise birthday party for, I think like a year, a little, you know, almost a year where he, he got all my friends to London, got them in hotels, got them to Downton Abbey, really high Claire, but in my mind, it's going to be Downton Abbey, um, <laughs> had a dinner party there, a private dinner party. And then he, he planned some other things. Cause he's like, now I've got 50 of our closest friends in London. We're going to do some fun stuff. So we did a few other fun things. Like we went to, um, to see Wicked and just everything fell into place. And it was really like the most perfect couple days of, of my life. Yeah. And, um, at the very end, we had a private dinner at the top of the tower of London after a private touring of the crown jewels, which it is, was bonkers, which is crazy. Like, Oh, there's all of, you know, Queen Elizabeth's tiaras and, and there's nobody here, but us to see it. And yeah. and the beef eaters are just kind of chit chatting with us, telling us like all the history. And, um, it was just so cool, but, uh, we're kind of sipping on, you know, sipping on our wine after, after the dinner and waiting to all leave, waiting really to get probably kicked out of the, <laughs> the tower of London because <laughs> we're loitering. And, um, well, we got locked in at one point. I do want to add that little fun thing. We got locked in at one point because when they do the changing of the guard, they shut down. Yeah. The- the Tower of London isn't just a tower. It's like a little city. I did not know that prior to arriving. It's like a little town, you know, surrounded by, I mean, it's a fortress, right? It's, yeah. a, it's a fortress. So yeah. it, when they do the changing of the guard, no one can leave. Yes. And so we were stuck there for a little while. And if you had had it too, if you had imbibed too much or had a little bit too much hydration, <laughs> bad for you, you're stuck in the Tower of London. <laughs> so it, was, it was an experience on all counts. But yes, we were at the end. So we were at the end and a friend, so my birthday's May 10th and my husband is June 13th. So basically a month later. And by this point it was probably June 13th, May 13th or May 14th. And, um, somebody said, it became the joke, like the running joke of like, so what are you doing for John's birthday? What are you doing for John's birthday? And I'm kind of panicking. Cause I'm like, well, I can't even, t- I definitely can't top it. And I don't think I can match it ever. And um, you know, I think on a little bit different scale than yeah. my husband does. And so it's just, that's just not even a possibility. And you said, Fran, this must be what grace is like. And I thought, what? Because <laughs> well, I had had some champagne. I mean, the, the, your champagne glass was never empty. I mean, it was never even like halfway empty. It was constantly being topped. I mean, it was, and it was almost a little bit, um, overindulgent. You know, I felt almost a little guilty of like, okay, this is too, too great. <laughs> this is, yeah. And you said, this must be what grace is like. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You, you can never repay it. It's just, it's a free gift. Your husband, John loves you so much. It was a free gift and you should just be happy, be thankful and, and kind of enjoy your time. And that has stuck with me. And it's sort of like, I've said this many times, you were always my friend that can reorient me to heaven. And when I'm sitting here 
with champagne and, you know, chocolates and whatever and in London and just kind of in a fairy tale and starting to feel just a little bit guilty, you, you kind of have that ability to reorient really all of our friends to um, comparing gifts from our loved ones um, to the grace that Jesus, you know, has, has given all of us and, and with his, you know, death and resurrection and just the grace that's poured out on, on followers of Christ. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to yeah. just relax and enjoy the rest of this night. And we had the best night after that, didn't we? Cause we, we went back did. to the hotel and just <laughs> laughed and kind of regaled the whole couple of days and, um, all of, so John did, he picked, he started with like my childhood best friends mm-hmm. and went through my college girlfriends, my, my work political friends right after college. And then, um, my little rock friends after we moved back from DC and then some friends from Denver that we had made. Cause we've kind of moved a lot. Yes. You and have. he had just every, like every important person in my, you know, kind of friend circle, and I just thought how thoughtful for him mm. to put that much effort into my 40th birthday. And, and the joke is, what are we doing for your 50th? And I'm like, that's it. I'm good. Um, but yeah, so aging gracefully was the yeah. title we chose because um, it was, it was definitely a lesson in grace. Yeah, it absolutely was for all of us. Again, it was one of those things that you can't even think of it. And again, it, you know, John Eddy is a supremely generous, kind, thoughtful, creative human being, but he's not God. But in a way, he pointed us all to God's lavish love, you know, that there is nothing that he spares for us. You know, I mean, I mean, you can, you can sit on your treasure, you know, and and again, we've talked about that before. Like we have this we have whatever we have right now. We might not have this tomorrow. And you've right. said that before, you know, even, even the health of your loved ones who were there, some of it was tenuous, you know, like they might not be able to take this trip a week from, you know, or, or a year or two years or however, like they could do it that day. And and yeah. John made it happen in a way that no one else could. I mean, no one dreams that kind of stuff, but <laughs> He's the only I don't. <laughs> Of it. I mean, even if somebody could, no one thinks like, you know what, we're just going to add on one more little b- bananas item. And, you know, I mean, even the, even a flight across the Atlantic was more than any of us could imagine. Um, and then all of the added gifts along the way. I mean, it was, it was nothing but grace that he, that he was able to think in that capacity, um, and and live his, both of you live your lives so generously on top of that. I mean, it's not just like everything's going to your enjoyment, but you know, we are meant to enjoy the things we have in this world. Well, I think John, he, he, you're right. What you hit the nail on the head He's lost a father and a stepfather and I've lost a mom. And so, and we have friends who are sick and we, you know, we know that life is short and John likes to remind me that I'm now middle-aged, which is awesome. (laughs) And he goes, you know, this, we are in a small window where our friends are healthy. Our parents can still walk, you know, they're, they're young enough to travel and to be independent and can do this. And he goes, when you turn 50, you might have lost a friend or you, you might not turn 50 or, you know, you might, we might have lost a parent or, <clears throat> so we're in an age and we're in a season of life where we can do this and there's no guarantee for tomorrow and there's no guarantee for, for next year. And, um, he was like, we're, we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. And I think in so a way, this is, 
Yeah, and I think in a way, what, what what you're talking about, what you're what you're pointing to right now, is how we are connecting these two blogs, and it's the roses and thorns of life, and they don't make sense apart from each other, right? Mm-hmm. That that you know, with the story that Angie told us, um, you know, there was this immense sadness, but she was brought to the realization of thankfulness and joy even among the sadness. And then on the other side of it, I mean, there's this unbelievable joy and celebration that we got to. Experience experience, but it only mattered that much because of the sorrow or the potential for sorrow, right? They, they, they temper each other in such a beautiful way that, that it, it is expository of our humanity. You know, yeah. that, that, that's, that's the life we lead. Some, some days it's the, the good's going to outweigh the bad. Some days the bad's going to outweigh the good, but we have to have the perspective of both in order to operate in Thanksgiving. Yes. And and I've said many times, and I'll say it till my last dying breath, there, there are mountains and there are valleys. Yeah. And we've had major mountaintops. And this was a major, this was, this was like Pikes Peak, <laughs> or, you know, this is Machu Picchu or <laughs> Mount Kilimanjaro. But we had low valleys. Yeah. And, and to be thankful that we survived the valleys and to kind of give major praise at the mountaintops. And I know that, you know, there's probably a valley ahead for us at some point, you know, sooner rather than, and sometimes I get nervous. I'm like, okay, life's too good. I know that I'm going to be maybe pulled back a little bit, or, you know, I know that struggle is probably in my future at some point. And, um, or I'm called to sacrifice maybe in a way that I, I might not be super comfortable with. Um, so to, to learn to live kind of in the moment and enjoy, um, that is something I really have to kind of work on because I do worry about the future, which is not something that, um, that's necessarily right and holy. And I know we have so many amazing saints who say that like today is, you know, today is tomorrow's yesterday's gone. Today is, um, you know, all you can worry about the future hasn't happened. And so, um, I really, it was, it was a good lesson for me to just like, just enjoy. Don't worry about the kids exams because it was in May and he pulled our children out. <laughs> you know, um, don't worry about that. Just, just enjoy. Yeah. That's all going to be waiting for me when I get home. And, yeah. um, and I did, I, I thoroughly just bathed in the friendships and the, and the laughter and goodness, all the, all the, the, the time that we had together. So it was, yeah. it was beautiful. It was awesome. It was so awesome. All right. I think that's it. I think those are our two blogs that we wanted to talk about today. And um, we had discussed a little bit last week that we want to end all of our podcasts with our last little bit. And again, this is a very very organic um, process for us. And this comes from our actual in real life relationship where Tracy and I cannot get off the telephone or if we're standing together in real life, like it's difficult to end the conversation because we always have that like one last thing I wanted to tell you one little bit. Oh my gosh, I forgot. I forgot to tell you this thing. And so, um, we are going to hopefully make it a tradition to end our podcast with the Bellator last little bit and, um, share something, just a quick take, just something that's on your mind. It might not have anything to do with what we've talked about today, or it could, you know, whatever. Um, do you have anything on your mind? Well, I do, you know, so we, just so everyone knows, we do kind of chat a little bit ahead of time. So we're, we, we pick our blogs and, and so it makes, so I start to reflect a little bit on what, what we're going to be talking about the, the following day. And so yesterday we, we chit chatted about loving laundry and we, we decided to do this, you know, aging gracefully blog. And so I've been thinking about the loving laundry specifically and just about having my kids under one roof and my childhood babysitter, um, is in town from Texas. She texted and said, Hey, I would love to come see you. Um, 
she was she was the babysitter that was greeted me when my parents came home from the hospital in San Antonio. Mm. And she has been a close, you know, friend of our family for forever. And when we moved from Dallas or when we moved from Texas to Arkansas, my dad was in the military and she would get on a train. She told me last night she used to she would save her money because I knew she would come visit us in the summer. I just didn't really think about how she got there. And she goes, oh, I would save my money. And my dad would let me buy a train ticket. And your dad would pick me up in Texarkana. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, my goodness. I, first of all, I would never. She goes, can you believe it? Because she was a young teenager. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, it was an eight-hour train ride. And I think she had a connection somewhere in, like, <laughs> middle of nowhere, Texas. And and then she said one time she, like, got on a little puddle jumper from Texas to Arkansas and so anyways, but she's, her youngest is 20 and she's got a son that's married, a daughter who's a, you know, gainfully employed. And then a daughter who's in college. And John asked her last night, like, how does it feel to be an empty nester? And she said, it's kind of weird. She said, I'm not going to lie. You know, you can, you do kind of feel a little bit lost and, um, figuring out your purpose because we've poured so much of our life into our kids and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of reconnecting with your spouse and things like that. And, um, so it's, put my perspective on, I think that's why I'm thinking not necessarily of losing a child, although I know that's a possibility because that's life, but I'm really focusing on like Julia going off to college. Mm -hmm. And so yesterday as I've been really just reflecting on that, I walk into our kids have like a little study den off of our main family room. And we've got, you know, a glass top on our, um, coffee table and I'm kind of a stickler on like food and drinks because they're just really Tracy with your white couches really my kids are animals and um (laughs) there was like stuck on banana you know like banana and they had little threads things yeah I do know that I'm sure what a kid had been eating a banana threw the peel on the table and actually did throw away their peel but there was like the the thread things not just sitting on the table it was stuck and I'm scraping it with my fingernails and I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. And I, st- I did stop and pause and thought they're healthy. They're eating bananas. They're eating fruit. <laughs> they're like, chill out. So this, this blog has helped me like probably saved me from fussing at my children. Yes. Kept me in a spirit of like Thanksgiving that I have kids who a like healthy food and b threw away their banana peel and um, nothing was ruined or harmed. So it's keeping me humble. It's keeping me a little less anal, yes. <laughs> a little looser wound. Um, so thank you, Angie. <laughs> yeah. That's thank you, awesome. Angie. And I hope that you have a wonderful, I hope you have a wonderful um, visit with your babysitter. I love that she's visiting oh, you. She's, That's so sweet. I know. I know. She brought her, um, her 20 year old and her 20 year old and my 18 and 16 year old have just hit it off. And so that's oh, perfect. Fun to watch that little friendship, which, you know, it's like the generations just sort of keep yeah. on keep on keeping on. I hadn't seen her since she came to my dad's wedding after my mom passed away. My dad remarried. And and that was the last time I saw her, even though we're, you know, friends on Facebook, but life just takes hold. And so she kind of out of the blue said, I miss you. And I would, I've never met your children because as you know, talked about, they were adopted and um, we adopted them when they were a little bit older. And so it's been about 10 years since I've seen her. And she said, I've been saying this for years and I've got a little time. Can I come see you? And I've thought, well, absolutely. So it's been fun to, I pulled out like old photos with her, you know, she had like kind of a bad haircut. Her daughter's like, mom, <laughs> I can't believe you're it's like that. She's like, I look good. <laughs> it was the seventies. Um, so yeah, it's been real fun to show her. And Perfect. she was, 
we even saw some photos of like her, her mom mm-hmm. when they came to like Little Rock or something like that. And so she's had fun stories about my mom telling me like, you know, your mom used to pay me 75 cents an hour. <laughs> I'm like, was that, equitable? was that good? I, I don't know. know. Some people maybe got a dollar, but, um, and she said she would keep a ledger and just keep my hours. And when she got to $10, she'd pay me $10. And I'm like, that's genius. Isn't that genius? Yeah. She, was, yeah. she made every penny. And she goes, and by the way, she did not round. It would be like 3.25 hours. <laughs> that would never fly today. That is not babysitting day at all. That is impressive. I really enjoy that. I love it. So. Okay, my last little bit is um, I was on a walk yesterday with one of my neighbors and we were talking about all the movies that we want our kids to see that they've never seen, like what we consider like classic movies. And I told her that we had just had a, a, a showing, if you will, a viewing of uh, Life is Beautiful. Do you remember that movie? It won like, what oh. did it win the Academy Award? I, I think the guy that, that was the um, uh, actor, the lead actor, won the Academy Award for Best Actor that year. And I, I think it may have won um, Best Movie. Um, but in any way, it's about um, this this man who uh, makes life beautiful in, in the course of like, Nazi Nazi Italy actually it was the invasion of of Italy and um he I mean the the movie is just a, a beautiful movie and I had forgotten about it and I forget how it got um brought up but we were just like you know what we should watch that with the boys and so we had our children and one of my son's girlfriends come over and we sat on upstairs and, and you know watched it all together all piled on one couch Sobbing like blubbering <laughs> babies. Seriously. All of all of your boys? Yes. I, mean, well, I don't know. I don't, you know, they're teenage boys. I don't want to say if they did or did not shed tears, but I will say, like, <laughs> it is my last little bit just is if you haven't seen Life is Beautiful or if it's been a bit, you need to watch that movie because it does reorient. I, I feel like it, it goes really well with our theme today, too. Like it shows you the beauty that can be created, that can be perceived, that can be, you know, focused on and suffering. Um, but it also doesn't gloss over the suffering. Yeah. Um, it, it allows the ugliness and the hurt and the pain to be seen so rawly. I mean, like, I'm going to cry right now just talking about it. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> so to be. life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. Um, friend, that makes me, can I have one more last thing? <laughs> That makes me. We're gonna do that. Go. Yes. That makes me giggle because you remember the time y'all came to our lake house and y'all had listened to a book on tape and you said you were crying and you were actually angry that your sons weren't sad or, or a little bit weepy and they yeah. said so they don't get attached to like fictional characters or something yeah. like that and you're like, what is wrong with you? So I'm happy to see their emotion is kind of. They're growing. Yes, it's, it's mature to a point. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.